0: Hello and welcome to the Distance Podcast, brought to you by the Institute for Liberal Values. This is where we talk about how we can strive for a world in which freedom and reason are at the forefront of all human society. In this week's podcast, we'll be speaking to Pam Hayes Bohannon, a librarian, on libraries, banning books, rising right-wing censoriousness, and whether the librarians are okay.
1: Hi, today we are here with, uh, well, we, Mike Burke and Elizabeth Spiebeck are here with, um, with Pam, uh, a librarian in honor of Library National library, U.S. National Library Week. Um, we uh, invited my friend, Pam, uh, in part because uh, we had a difficult time finding a librarian who was willing to come. They're a little bit scared, running, running a little bit scared, librarians are. And so in full disclosure, this is my friend Pam, with whom I have done research and published. Uh, she does work at the same uh, university where I work currently. So, welcome, Pam. Um, did you want to say something, Mike?
0: Yeah, I just I just wanted to give you, give Pam the usual reassurance that I'm not a QAnon right wing conspiracy oh. theorist as some of the the librarians that we contacted seem to believe.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> um, I, I I was not worried about that. <laughs>
0: That's a that's a that's a, that's a relief. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very nice to meet you for acquaintance.
1: Yeah, I think that they were worried. And, and you know, uh, one of them we contacted had recently published an article and that person was, a, uh, you know, the backlash that they got from the article made them afraid to participate in the, in the podcast. And, and I can't really blame them. You know, Mike and I have we, we know all too well. Um, so uh, Pam and I did talk about this earlier and, and we thought we'd open with uh, something that she found very interesting when she started to do a little research for uh, coming to visit us. What did you find, Pam? So um, I
2: had just, I had recently read an article in the Chronicle of Higher Education called The Librarians Are Not Okay. And I had actually shared it to the faculty listserv at at the university and um you know so I talked to Elizabeth about it I said did you read it she goes well is it the same one that was in the Atlantic I said oh I don't know let me go see and as it turned out I found not only the Atlantic one which was not the same one but another one that was published on the web and um, posted by American libraries magazine all with the same exact title the librarians are not okay um, published all three published in the last year um, and so I is like I, I just thought that was telling that there were three articles um published in the past year, all with the same title. Um and each, you know, some overlap in the issues that they brought up, but not um all exactly the same.
1: So what are some what should I, I guess, you know, um Mike and I have been talking about um I don't know if I sent you this article or not, Pam, but a workplace mobbing. Um, you did send me that article. One, yeah. We talked about yeah, and um, I, I do think that uh, that there's some overlap there with what librarians are going through and some of the issues. Well, it's not you know not necessarily internal like the work- workplace mobbing, but maybe maybe a little bit some, internal. Well, some librarians
2: um, are yeah. experiencing
1: that too, um, especially school librarians. um... Yeah, so I so we can kind of talk about, um, you know, you work at a university library, there's a, 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 you know, community libraries are are different. Um, And I worked as a librarian, uh, just at a community library at the at the at the circulation desk. So I didn't have any real education as, you know, in, in library science, but I did want to to mention sort of the different kinds of libraries that, that, and the different kinds of of education and training and what it means to be a librarian, because I'm not sure that, uh, that most people would know. Okay. So I have no idea. Okay. Well, so um,
2: yeah. So as Elizabeth pointed out, um, there's, there's, typically four types of libraries that librarians will um think about when when we think about you know what what kind of like track we're going into so there's uh academic libraries public libraries school libraries and special libraries so those might be things like in a museum or archives or something like that um so um right now uh it's public libraries and school libraries that are are really um, getting the brunt of um, of the um, challenges about um, books and and programming. Um, so, I mean, uh, I don't know if if you've seen the really stunning videos uh, that were taken in a a school library in in Florida, where a, a parent went in, his kids came out and told him they just took all our books away, and he went in with his you know phone and took this video of just empty shelves in the library um the uh the school's response to that was well you know there's still some books in there he just didn't like i mean but it was it was, it was stunning there's, there's these empty shelves i mean it was it was dystopian um and uh you know public libraries also are um you know being they're they're facing like mobs of people showing up at um at board meetings, demanding that, you know, books be removed from the shelves. Um, so these are things, like, I, I've been a library board member myself, and nobody ever came to it. once. Once, you know, we had a community member show up at our meeting. It's just, um, you know, people, uh, It's um, it's unprecedented by a lot. <laughs> and also, like, it used to be, like, You know, books, book challenges and book bannings, I mean, that's not really new, but the way it's being done now is new. I mean, typically what we saw in the past was people would, you know, their their child might come home with a book that when the parents saw it, you know, was uh, not happy that their child was reading it and they would go and speak to uh, either, you know, the public library director or the school librarian or a teacher about it and you know it might get to the level of being reevaluated by the principal or something but it was usually just one book but now it's just you know like these hordes of people demanding that hundreds of books they will they'll have lists of hundreds of titles that they've never even read um asking that they
1: all be removed so that nobody can have access to them yeah so i read that um I- you know, I I don't know if this was accurate, but like uh, 1,269 attempts to ban books. And most of them included, you know, like you said, lists of books, some of them up to a hundred all at once. Um, And that was at least double what had um, been attempted in 2021. So 2022 was not only double, but then also listing these hundreds of books. So double doesn't really count. Right, right. Account Absolutely.
2: And, you know, that was, you know, I've been, um, researching banned books, you know, for a long time. Um, and I know ALA's been keeping a list of like the top 10 banned books every year for maybe 40 years, I think. Um, and they always put out this list like there were this many challenges to this many titles. And uh, until about 2000, that number actually was going down. Like, I remember when I first started paying attention, it was maybe five or 600 challenges in a year. And until about 2020, um, it was going down. Like they were in the, like the 300s. And I was like, Oh, this is actually, you know, a good trend. Right. (laughs) And then after the pandemic started, it, it became a whole new thing, not just that it was trending up, but um, exponentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so what is the the ideological bent of the people that are are trying to ban these books? I mean, f- for example, I mean, how is this also? How is this even conscionable right?
2: Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, most of the books that you'll see that are show they're, they're sharing these lists of books among themselves, and it's so easy to do online, of course. um But most of the books that you'll see the lists uh, are uh, books either by or about. Um, people of color, um, or books by or about uh, LGBTQ uh, people. And so uh, they'll, they'll just throw out, you know, if it's a, if it's a book about, um, you know, uh, desegregating schools, like a book about like Ruby Bridges, there was a book about Ruby Bridges, I think she wrote it herself, you know, little a, a little memoir for children about you know desegregating and you know uh, no we can't have that's critical race theory like I, like anything that's about race they just call it critical race theory um i you know i will um i am the parent of a of a trans child and um so i i am you know uh, deeply concerned about the um the anti-trans legislation that we see, and, and the the books are all part and parcel to it. Um, we like this just idea that if we erase LGBTQ people, they'll all just go away.
1: Um, and uh, and somehow, if we erase the books, the people will go uh, away. Somehow, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, yes. right?
0: I, I mean, we we've really spoken out about this in the past because you know we are the victims of critical social justice mob mm-hmm. mobs you know they've, they've come after us accuse, mm-hmm. accuse me of being racist homophobic mm-hmm. my sister's gay whatever it doesn't matter mm-hmm. <laughs> i could be gay myself and then still accuse me of being homophobic um mm-hmm. uh, elizabeth being racist all kinds of ridiculous stuff but what we are seeing the beginning of and i think you're giving evidence for is a kind of mirror image of that intolerance now erupting on the right, um, in which everything is critical race theory. Um, and some of this has been deliberately orchestrated, by the way, in a bad faith way. Uh, do you know who Chris Rufo is? I don't think so. So he's a, um, a journalist, um, has done some good work, just give the devil his due, um, but also has done some bad work and... He pretty much said, openly said, that what he wants to do is to tar critical race theory. When anyone encounters this woke intolerance, that they immediately label it as critical race theory. So it's giving the enemy a name. Um, it, I don't think that would be fair, even if you were looking at critical race theory, because I don't think all of critical race theory proper, you know, critical race theory where it actually says this is critical race theory. I don't even think all of that is bad. I don't even think I, it should I, be banned.
2: It's a... It's a <laughs> perfectly valid theory that is you know studied in at the graduate level i mean they're not giving it to kids like kids wouldn't even
0: well they kind of <laughs> they, they 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 kind of give a very 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 dumbed down version of it to kids and what's and what's happened is that people like chris Rufo have um really tried to label all of this dumbed down stuff and then tar people like charles mills for example if you read a bit of critical race theory you'll know charles mills who is a very interesting thinker um, even the, the, the early stuff um, by Kimberly Crenshaw is quite interesting and worthwhile reading, um, uh, mapping the margins. That article is a good one, for example. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we're we at this point where we're going, getting this real ideological intolerance and people who are typically associated with, I hate to say this, but our side, the people who have been resisting the other kind of intolerance, a lot of them are going along with it. A lot of them are... are, are, are cheering it on i mean the, the one that the one the most obvious one is the the drag queen story hour thing
2: <laughs> i i just don't that's that baffles me it's astonishing
0: <laughs> well what no we see the, the the logic is just the, the logic that they use is so familiar though like for example if i were to say okay this black person has committed a crime. Therefore, they're a criminal. They've been convicted of a crime. You know, that, that's absolutely fine, you know. But when you make the leap, the extrapolation, when you say, therefore, we can say something general about all black people, then everybody would throw their hands up and say, whoa, no, you can't do that. That would clearly be a racist thing to do. And they'll be absolutely correct about making that observation. Um, but with the whole Drag Queen Story hours, is, 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 you find some video of, somebody doing something inappropriate on TikTok um, and, or some other social media platform, and it is inappropriate and, and fine doing something bad. And then you say, okay, so here is evidence of one person or two people or three people doing something bad. Therefore, we can extrapolate, not just about drag, you know, because drag and trans are not the same thing. I mean, I'm, I even I've done drag before at university when we went out partying, it was quite good fun. Um, not just that we can extrapolate something generalizable about trans, about drag people, but we can say something about trans people as well. I mean, how is that justifiable? It's it's transparently awful. If you were to say it about black people, everybody would know it was awful. But the logic doesn't differ.
2: Um, Right. And, you know, I, I think that there are some who would also just say, well, you know, i um generalizing about any group of people they they would just do it and they they wouldn't have a um they would have a a a, a, some population of people who would just agree with them um the yeah the drag story hour I just it baffles me um you know I, I mean any of us like all like I just think about like all the times I like, I I saw Julie Andrews and on Broadway do Victor Victoria, you know, and we, you know we watched, um, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire and all. That
0: well, that you, that. you know, as just... as as a Brit, I mean, did, did you know about pantomime? Have you heard of pantomime mm-hmm. before? So pantomime is a really, I think they have it in Australia as well, but it's a really, really English tradition that began in the early 19th century. And essentially they'll take a, some famous traditional story, like a Charles Dickens novel, like Oliver Twist or something like that. um, And they'll make a comedy version of it and they'll put it on stage. And it's all, there's kind of audience participation and all of the kids go, it's a real like linchpin of British culture. I mean, I I went to, my grandmother would take me to pantomimes every, you know, every year, usually around Christmas time, which is when they happen. My sister, who's an actress in the UK, is in in a pantomime right now. Um, And, you know, it's for kids. It's great fun. And and there are a few kind of like adult jokes thrown in, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Mm -hmm. that that will go under the radar of kids. You know, like the Simpsons does some stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the absolute... Iconic role, maybe even the iconic role in the pantomime is the, pan, the so-called pantomime dame, which is a bloke dressed up in a woman, putting on a kind of falsetto voice, of you know, this kind of sure, thing.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: and it's all, yeah, it's all very, very funny. It's you know, it's an early example of drag, and you could even argue that it's sexualized to an extent. the The pantomime dame will typically have a couple of balloons stuffed down. His, her, whatever, you know, uh, 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 and the same for, for the r- rear end as well. So in a sense, there, there is kind of a sexualized element. But, you know, it's something, it, if that was harmful, if that was corrupting the kids, we would have known by the end of the 19th yeah. century. Right, right. We certainly <laughs> would have known by the, the end of the 20th century. In
2: 2023? We know. Wait, we so, know it's not harmful, so, right?
0: I, so, <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs>
2: And I, I also I have to say just the the the, the word harmful I've I I'm done with it. I'm so over the yeah, word right. harmful. I it it has been the right and the left have taken it on like anything they don't like. They just oh that's harmful. We can't like we must get rid of this harmful thing. Um you know, and, and it's um you know the I, I think, you know, the, the left started using it first i think kind of overusing it and then um the right figured out oh that works people (laughs) we'll do it too and now yeah so now uh, it's it's stunning to me how i i um there's a university in michigan i can't remember which one it is but they ask every year you know like which Which words should we banish? <laughs> I gave them harmful this year, and you know <laughs> right, I filled out their form i'm done <laughs> <laughs> if you can't like most people can't even articulate what they think is harmful about whatever they say
0: is, no, harmful. No. They, oh, no, well, is this, this is what you get on both sides by the way it's like when you find like the people who are doing all the canceling. Um, from the left, like the academics, you know, they are they're, they're professors such and such, they're credentialed. And when they do the counselling, if you read the books that they claim to identify with, you, you know, if you read like Charles Mills or anything like that, and you push back on them using the books that they claim to I- identify with, funny thing happens. You quickly find that they haven't read the books that they claim to identify with. Uh,
2: that's, <laughs> um, you know, that's a, a... Pretty typical thing that happens with book challenges um you know, and we know with the ones that are going on now with the hundreds of books um you know people and this isn't new, you know, but parents getting like pieces of books uh off the internet um out of context and then they they read it out loud that's actually been going on a long time too. It's just never been at this kind of volume um and mm-hmm. uh you know. That there would be so many people, and I know this is one thing that some, you know, libraries and um, and schools have told parents, is they said, okay, well, you read those books, and then when you have read them, you can come back and, and you know, we'll talk about it. And um, pretty much at that point, you know, they, they don't hear from them again. I mean, it is a strategy. Um, you know, when I first, when I first started, um researching you know book banning and challenges I mean it was a it was a simpler time of book challenges you know? and I, I remember like I that you know I remember looking at like forms that schools would have you know if a parent came in and wanted uh to challenge a book and you know some of them were pretty straightforward you know uh did your child read this book did you read the book you know but others like had more like what do you think the theme of this book is um and I'm thinking well it's not like somebody was offended I mean people get offended by stuff right and I mean sometimes you just can't articulate what's offensive like but like this isn't an English class what's the theme of the book you know I thought that was just kind of mean you know and always this question like you know did you read the whole book and I thought well if if I'm offended by something, I'm not going to read the rest of it, right? Like that's, but I I, I have gone, I've done a one eighty on that. Yeah, yeah, make yeah. them read the whole book. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I it's 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 a different time. Well, you know, Mike and I, um, for a podcast that's not yet released, we read an article on the sort of. um, how enamored people can get with unfalsifiable arguments, and I do think that's um, that's relevant here because what we found what or not what we found what we read was um, how when people have very strong ideological beliefs, and the author studied uh, politics and religion, okay so strong either political or ideological uh, beliefs um, and they did a uh, an intervention where people in in the first two studies found out that their um beliefs could be falsified or could never be falsified okay so for example um now i can't remember the 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 theory mike but that god uh could or could not be um you know uh the existence of god could or could not be proven with this uh theory um and what happened was the people who were the, had the strongest beliefs, when they found out that their belief could not be falsified, okay, could not be proven, you know, so God could never be proven uh, or disproven, okay, they actually increased from... When they entered the study to after the intervention, they increased their uh, uh, level of commitment to their ideological belief. So if their belief could not be falsified, they actually increased it after the intervention. And uh, then in two other studies, they found that when a belief could be falsified, so when people were led to believe that their either ideological, political or religious belief could be falsified, then they actually backtracked from the falsifiability uh, aspect of their belief. And what they did was say, yeah, but that doesn't matter to me. It's the other unfalsifiable stuff. It's that it's, it's, uh, it's important to my value system. It's uh, important in, in these other ways that don't have anything to do with the unfalsifiability. It's just what I believe. Um, It's how I was raised, those kinds of things. And I see those aspects here in this, in the, um, in the attempts to can't, to, uh, you know, cancel people and to, uh, ban books where people's arguments aren't necessarily based on the content of a book or, um, or on something that they actually read, but on their, you know, unfalsifiable beliefs. And they don't even want them to be, to, you know, to, um, they don't want to do the homework or the research or whatever that might lead to that. So um uh, you know, I, I just think that's really I, I see so much of that where people don't really have a good a good reason. And I agree with you. It's like maybe it's cruel to ask people to, you know, like you said, do a book report on everyone, you know. Uh on the other hand, you know, um, if If you just have hordes of people showing up at at library trustee meetings or whatever, just saying, but, you know, this goes against my belief and therefore it's harmful, as you said, like, well, what kind of harm? You can't, you can't quantify that. You can't measure it. It's unfalsifiable to just say it's harmful. Um, And, and I don't know how, how you push back against that. I don't know how you push back against that when you're canceled. And I don't really know how you push back against, I don't know how to push back against I, I don't stuff. think we figured that out. I mean, otherwise people wouldn't be showing up in you know,
2: hordes
0: of, yeah. I figured it out. Okay. Two words. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. No, no, if you've got somebody who is coming in with a transparently bad faith argument, right? If somebody has read the book is able to give you an appraisal of the book, then okay. That's somebody that they, they might be wrong. I would argue more often than not, if they're calling for the banning of a book, they would be wrong. I, I mean, but, but, but if they're coming in good faith, then then, then OK, we can have that conversation. And, and you know, right? You know when somebody's right. coming in good faith. Right. Because they'll be quite passionate about the book that they've read. They'll be able to cite passages. They'll be able to point to pages. They'll be able to skim through and say, did you see what he or, he or she read here and there? Right. But,
2: and that's, I mean, that that is what I think these original forms were about right like it was a parent concerned about a book that their child read and that's honestly that's good parenting right Um, uh, expressing these concerns there's nothing wrong with it Um, but banning the book or preventing any kid any other kid from seeing it I mean this is like there's all these uh, parental rights bills that Are are showing up now too, and you know it's uh it's again it's it's certain a certain group of parents who want these rights, you know, and they want that the right to uh, not only make these decisions for their own children, but for everybody's children. And you know, what about my parental rights? You know, I I want. I mean, my child is an adult, but I'll tell you a story. Like when when he was little, we were at the public library he was maybe six, um, and there was a sign up in the library that it was really there for me, you know, as the parent, it said, uh, please be aware that all library records are private, even for children, um, something along those lines, you know, and I mean, it wasn't there for my information for my kid, it was there for me, right? But, you know, he was old enough to read the words, but not old enough to understand what they meant. And and he's like, what is that about? And I said, oh, that's so that, you know, um, you know, when when you check out a book, you know, and he had his own library card. But it's not like he was ever going to go to the library without me, you know, at age six. Right. (laughs) He was only going to go to the library with me or his father. Um, And I said, you know, whenever you check out a book, that's that's your business. And, you know, they're they'll never uh, tell me or your father what you've checked out, you know. And, um, and again, you know, until he was like in middle school, I knew what books he checked out because I took him to the library, you know, but um, I honestly was was glad once he was old enough to go to the library by himself that um, he had that belief at least of that he was free to read whatever he wanted. Um, I mean, it's a safe way to explore difficult topics through books that's a safe way um i I don't i don't think books are dangerous
1: (laughs) i was going to ask you about that because when i worked Mm -hmm. at the library we had the same we had the same policy like at age seven i think it was a child could get their own library card and of course the parent you know signed a little form cuz obviously the parent was going to have to pay the fine right you know but the parent signed a little form and that was included that you know you know and we would tell people we would tell the parents look if you want to know what your kids taking out then you don't get them their own card they check hmm. out books on your card that's how you keep you know if you really if you really want to know and you want to be in charge of this but if you you know we're going to keep your child's records private and that means even from you you know um if if you let your child get their own you know their own card and i was going to ask you if that was if if that's still true or if some of these parental rights acts are are pushing up against that also i know there are some libraries and that
2: this isn't new um but some libraries and again this has to go with community standards but they'll offer a a, lo, a family library card so you know um i mean i don't know how it's any different than you know a kid checking out books on their parents card except that maybe the kid could come by themselves with the card right with the family card um if a kid were old enough to go to the library by themselves they could bring the family card but then the you know the parents would have access to to the the borrowing record um so uh, i mean i've never worked in a library that had that you know um but um i know that it's 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 a controversial um issue in some communities that they would have these and um uh you know it's something i disagree with but i you know i know have
0: you um just just as a suggestion have you ever maybe considered asking these parents whether they're aware that the year is
1: 2022 <laughs> and not 1953. I, I mean, I've just just had a, you know, uh, for me personally, for example, there were,
0: I remember banned books, right? Um, I the, the one that my parents wouldn't let me read was the *Silence of the Lambs*. Right, my oh, mum was saying, uh-huh. hey, "You can't read that." So, of course, that was—I read, I read it. that of course it was the first thing read I read. Um, <laughs> then I found out that the *Anarchist Cookbook*, which was you know, describing how to make all different kinds of explosives, that still is banned. I had read that when I was about fifteen. And I found it on the internet, and that was in the nineteen nineties. Then I found out that the, the *Lesser Key of Solomon*, which is a, a infamous tone on black magic that was oh, uh,
2: that was that banned. one
0: <laughs> i, I what well, well, i did because it was banned and because it was banned you know that meant i had to read it and 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 and, and, and so i did and that was in the 1990s uh, I, I i think so must have got easier since then well, I, I
1: imagine it, uh, right. oh <laughs> <of course. laughs> that is well that's one of the arguments i think that people who want to ban ban books um use in their efforts which is look people can still get these online i just don't want them in the school in my local library um and that kind of thing so that's one of the arguments that people who want to ban books use is that these look you can still get these books if you want them we just don't want them on the shelves or we want them in a special collection behind you know you know in some in some you know a different room or something like that. We don't want them intermingled with the other books. So um, so that is exactly an argument that they use in order to, in their minds, bolster their argument for banned books locally because, oh, well, people could still get them. You know, we're not saying burn all the books, right? Um, although in Canada, there was recently a book burning, wasn't there? Oh, I don't know. Um, I didn't hear about that. Yes, there was, I believe. Um, that it was, a um, uh, actually indigenous, uh, in theory, it turned out that the person who sponsored the book ban book burning, they did something with the ashes. I can't remember. Um, I might have the website, uh, available to me. Um, it was like a hist- history of, I think it might've been, you know, like a history of, of book burning um and then it turned out that maybe that wasn't uh quite such a, a good idea <laughs> after all that maybe it wasn't actually inspired by indigenous people who wanted to get rid of some some you know it was it was a, like a, a you know they weren't burning all of the same book but they were kind of you know like sh- showing their disdain I guess mm, for I, uh, I didn't hear about that for, by by a burning so I'd have to look that up so I I shouldn't um I shouldn't say too much because now I can't remember That was, gosh, that was like two days ago that I read it. you know, to
2: your Um, your point about people um, saying, you know, the books are otherwise available or they're, you know, they're still in the library. They're just in this other part. Like that's, um, you know, from a librarian standpoint, I, they're wrong. Um, The point of a library is that, you know, it's that the books are available for the people who want them and who need them. Um, And so when you take a book like um uh you know uh this book is gay by juno whose name i last name i already forgot but it's one of the frequently banned ones um and you say well you know uh you know move this to this to the adult section right then or or they have to come to the desk and ask for it like well Mm. no that's you know a, a, a young adult who is looking for that book, um, who's questioning, doesn't need to have the extra burden of of asking, going to a stranger and asking for the book, or, you know, being told, oh, that's in the adult section, and you're not allowed to use the adult section, um, uh, that they're available for purchase online. Like, again, like public libraries, you know, remember the jingle when we were kids Elizabeth libraries have it for free they're free they're free yes. um and they're there for people who can't otherwise afford the book um or can't get to the store to buy them or can't you know don't have their own credit card to buy it from Amazon the, the, I I those those arguments are as far as I'm concerned do you, <laughs>
0: do you know the, to- the story of Thomas Sowell do you know Thomas Sowell Thomas Sowell is a uh, black economist, stroke philosopher, stroke polymath. I mean, he does everything. He's, you know, he's conservative and that kind of rubs people the wrong way. But, you know, as, as, as a centrist, I think the man is, I don't agree with everything he says by any means, but I think he's, there's no question in my mind that he's brilliant. Um, he basically educated him. So he grew up in um, Harlem, Um and you know to a really really poor family um no money at all and he educated himself in a public library i mean that's literally how he got himself right to the top he he, he got a library card he went to the library and he just read everything in it um and he's in his 90s now but he's still you know right up there you know, really 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 far away. so i mean i think you're right libraries are you know if it wasn't for the public and he, he's quite open about that right. if it wasn't for the public library he wouldn't be where he is right now, and and you can't get everything online, right? Right, right. You can't. You, and- you, you can get something. Well, you know, you, well, it, in a way, you can if you're willing to put a lot of effort in, right? right. If you're really, in really, you really, really, really break
2: the law, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yes. 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 I know because I've done it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I've done it in the case where I've tried to find books that are out of print that somebody is selling for you know $200 or something and it's like no I'm not going to pay that you know and then then I'll find the book online um but yeah it, 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 it's, it's not an argument I don't think it was not a good argument anyway
1: so Pam I wanted to so this is um sort of a follow-up to almost like where we started sure. so um uh Again, you know, I was like just a, you know, a, a, I worked at the circulation desk at, at, a li- at a community library. And so I didn't have a library uh, degree. And I'm not sure that, that a lot of people really know what a library science degree is. And then I'd like you, if you could talk about that for a minute and how librarians do decide what goes into a collection because I think that's really important also. So yeah so most of the people
2: that you see when you go to a library are actually not librarians. Um, They are library workers. Um, uh, They're all um, they all have important jobs. Um, I don't want to you know um, suggest that my my colleagues who don't have library degrees are you know um, not nearly as, you know, they, they have, their jobs are just as important as mine is, um, but I have a library degree. Um, it's a, it's a master of library science, um, which is, um, I got my degree in 1991 when we just had a master of library science. Now it's typically called a, a master of information and in library science. Um, and that is considered the terminal degree,
1: right? right? There is no. Right.
2: So yeah. there, I mean, there are PhD. There are PhD programs for librarians, but uh, typically, you know, I mean, if you wanted to teach in a library school, that's what you would get, but a librarian typically, you know, has the, the MLS. And that's true even in university libraries that, um, you know, we have the the terminal degree is the, is the library degree. Um, often it's also true in university libraries, such as ours that you have a second master's degree that, the second master's degree is in fact the terminal degree. So I have a master of library science, I also have a a master's degree in Spanish literature um, and that's that allowed me to to get promoted um, you know to the highest um, rank um, and so a person at our at least at our university um, who does not have a second master's degree um, can't get promoted to the highest rank of senior librarian but you know, they they still are professional librarians. Um and so um what we what I don't even I don't even know what they teach in library school anymore. Mm. <laughs> My degree's over thirty years old. But, um <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> um but you know, uh I, I will say, like as far as theoretical stuff, like book challenges, those are the kind of things we talked about and um uh and you know who should have a library card and is it okay for kids to like those are kind of discussions we had in library school um but one of the courses we had also that was sort of a basic foundational course was was collection development um uh and that was where we we discussed like what what books should be in a library and um we we discussed you know uh not just what should be in a library because different libraries are going to have different reasons for having the books they have so any library worth its salt has a collection development policy Um, and so for instance at our university you know books we buy books that support our curriculum right so a book might be a great book but you know uh, like you're not going to find the latest bestseller at the university library, unless it, unless it actually supports something in our curriculum, but, you know, a beach read stuff like that. We don't have them. We don't have them there. You know, and I, it's not a philosophical thing that they're, you know, not good books. Just, it's not part of our collection development policy. We have a budget um, and we can only <laughs> afford so many books. So, you know, it has to f- fall within these categories, right? And a public library um, isn't going to have a uh, esoteric books necessarily. They are going to have the beach reads and the, you know, many copies of the most recent bestseller because they're serving a different population. So, um, you know, uh, um, even like at the university, we have children's books, but they're books because we are a teacher's college. So they're books that are um, used in the, in the, uh, the classes where we teach, um, you know, about elementary ed. Um, And uh, but you know again they're not going to be um the same kind of children's books uh, or even as many right that that you're going to find in a public library that serves children and we're not going to do story hour either you know um so you know and a and a school library you know is probably you know going to have a lot of books for um that are uh uh of interest to a small uh age group right <laughs> like, Uh, You know, okay, so we only have grades five through eight in this school and, you know, the books are going to be of interest to those people and then there's going to be, you know, maybe a a smaller but significant collection of books for teachers, right? So these are all part of the policies, right? Everybody has a budget. We can't buy everything. So um, we have to write a policy and then when we uh, have our budget, we have to determine, you know, well, I I, this book looks great, but no, nope, it doesn't fit our collection development policy. So we're going to save that money for a book that does.
1: Um, we don't want to buy books that people aren't going to check out. So librarians collection and collection development are not purchasing books because they have an agenda, because right? Because when I'm reading this, like I just I just reskimmed this article that was in the Library Journal. And over and over and over again, it's um, you know um, at the May board meeting, the same member stated that intellectual freedom is not a real thing, but ma- a made-up word by the library world to push an agenda. Okay, well, to real um, thing in Cook County, <laughs> in Cook County, I was accused by um, by a small local group of operating with an agenda over and over and over again. I'm seeing that these. That this is what they're going to, you know, boards or library directors or whatever, with this accusation of an agenda well, you the purchasing exact, or displaying. The books.
2: exact opposite is what's going on. These people are showing up with their own agenda and intimidating librarians and library workers um, with that agenda. And I, I will tell you that a real phenomenon is, and I've heard uh, many librarians, especially school librarians talk about it is that they because they are they've been so badly intimidated by uh these you know would-be book banners they they won't buy books that they otherwise think they should have because they they just don't want to they don't have the energy for another fight. You know, that they're that there's it, this it it's like this silent banning, right? This, this they're secretly banning books themselves be, books that they want to buy but they they just are thinking well okay if i buy this who's going to be mad
0: <sighs> can, can i can i just speak a little bit to how profoundly moronic this mob of people seem to be or strike me as being <clears throat> i remember watching um, i'm a huge boxing fan um and i remember watching a young mike tyson um and, um, you know, in his, he was in his teens and he was going through videos of past great boxers and he was watching all of these boxes and thinking, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn from that? He was incorporating these things into his style. You know, for, for me personally, I have been attacked by the so-called woke critical social justice left. And it's been horrific for me. But at the same time, I've also been successful in pushing back at them, more so in my case than perhaps anybody I know. In terms of pushing back against them, and the reason I have been successful in pushing back against them in my own case is because I read all of the books that they they claim to have read and hadn't. So if you're one of these, you know, if you're really, 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 really worried about critical social justice and you have every reason to be, because I'm not of them. Again, I'm not saying all well, it's, it's bad. I, I always channel Foucault here, where I say, you know, I think books are dangerous, and and that's how as it should be. Ideas are dangerous. Like every idea has the potential to be dangerous, right? But if you want to push back against that which you think is dangerous, well, how do you think you're going to win unless you know it inside out? You have to know what your enemy's thinking. You have to know what your opponent's thinking. Absolutely. If you're trying to ban books, (laughs) then then you're from a tactical point of view, it makes no sense. It's like going into a battle. You have the option of knowing where your troops are going to be aligned, your opponent's troops are going to be aligned. You know, they're going to be on that hill or in that forest or or whatever. You have the option, but instead of taking that option, you instead, you know, you get the intelligence report and you burn it. Um,
2: How
0: how, how does that make strategy in your plan to combat that which you claim to oppose? Or is it all deceitful posturing? my put it. I
2: I always say you <laughs> know Scaramazzo. read more read better like people just need they should read everything that they I I, I don't I don't understand when people say they don't read like why, why not like I can't not read I can't I can, um and I I do I know a lot of stuff I'm I'm not you know I know a lot of stuff and when Because I read a lot and I read all genres, you know, I read fiction, nonfiction, stuff that I don't think I might be interested in, but I read it anyway. And then I I can have conversations. I I remember one time there was this young man who uh, worked at the library. He was a student worker and um, he was a wrestler and he had that, you know, kind of jockey look and, um, but he always had. Um, something he was, you know, he would, he would sit at the desk and he always had his own like fun book that he was reading, not his textbook. He wasn't doing his homework. Like a lot of the student workers do. And I think they all should, I I don't have any problem with any of that. Right. (laughs) Sit there and do your homework or read a book until somebody needs your help. Right. I don't have a problem with that, but he was always reading something interesting like Aldous Huxley, brave new world. You know, he's always reading like classic works. and, And I, I said to him one time, I said, gee, Joe, you know, I, I never see your peers just reading a book. <laughs> you know? And he goes, and he said to me, he goes, I know, my peers don't read and they're not very interesting people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> reminds, me, reminds, me, reminds me of the time when I'm, I, I live in Tokyo mm. and um, I had a date with uh, quite a famous model. Like Japanese model. And I was like, wow, this is going to be so amazing. And it was the most boring experience <laughs> of my entire life. Because all she knew about was makeup and stuff like that. And not not a bad person, not stupid or anything like that. But it was just like, how can I even communicate with you? How are you even an interesting person? And again, I'm not saying these people are bad. But
1: if you don't read... Well, how can you how can you advocate banning books that that you know that you haven't read? Um, how can you
0: advocate for anything? (laughs) Right anything at all. (laughs) You you can have an opinion, that's fine. That's in America that's protected under the First Amendment. But um you know, not all opinions are are equal, right? Some of them are woefully uninformed.
2: Right. They're uninformed and I mean people have the right to their opinion. That's protected speech too. They're crazy opinions and but you know, I mean uh, drag performance is protected speech. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. It's I, I just I um you know there's uh, a lot of people who think
1: that they they should have free speech but other people shouldn't. I <laughs> right, but other but other people shouldn't exactly and 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 I think that you know that's that's what we keep talking about you know here is you know uh, you know until they come for you. Um, A lot of times people, people don't really, uh, unfortunately, they don't really appreciate how scary this is, um, you know, until they do come for you, you know, that people, people aren't, perhaps because they're not reading enough, aren't, you know, aren't able to take another perspective, you know, and how it, this can be, you know, the next, uh, the next book that's banned might be something that that you really care about, that you really uh, believe in. and and that this you know sort of workplace mobbing kind of uh behavior that's driving people you know um making people quit uh their jobs um it's making you know i i did you know I, I told you i sort of wanted you to speak also to just you know staffing budget cuts you know, just the the day to day. What's it like? You know, I mean, the, the librarians are not okay. Yeah. You know, what else is making them not? So, okay? well, I mean, one thing that was really interesting to me about the three articles
2: um, is that as much as I see about book banning, I mean, that's almost you know, of course, I I you know, I set up my news feed, so I see a lot of that. But you know, book banning, book banning, book banning. two of those articles didn't even mention it at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it was really just about the BS that we you know, the understaffing. Um, Uh, one you know was uh you know they mentioned uh not just you know misogyny but just the sexism of you know of course it's a it's a woman dominated field so we are paid less and um you know I, i i will tell you that about 20 years ago i was in a meeting with the uh who was the person who was then president of the university and he actually said that you know when we suggested that you know we should have pay parity with faculty. Um, he said, well, you know, you are in a woman-dominated field and you knew that you uh, were in a field like that when you when you chose it, you know? So um, that's, you know, and women's work isn't valued. Now, that's a societal problem and I can't solve it. Like, really? <laughs> you could solve it
1: here.
0: You could solve <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you can't solve the whole world's problem, but maybe I mean, and so that's
0: oh, what you yeah, but, but what he might have said is that that's a it's a shame this is a problem, and I can't solve it, so I'm gonna perpetuate it instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, and
2: said, right? you know that we we it was victim blaming you know we knew we knew right. when we took chose this profession that we would be paid like crap um you know some of the other things in the article were stuff about you know faculty um uh, this idea that, you know, I mean, there is a service, it is a service job, but that, that doesn't mean we're subservient, right? And that faculty will come and they want us to make f- photocopies for them. And, you know, uh, you, know you, you need to find a student worker to do that, you know, or do it yourself, but, do <laughs> yourself. Um, you know, I once had a, a, this was, again, it was 20 years ago, this, a faculty member, called and she was looking for a particular map of something and um this was again it was 20 years ago the internet was nascent um but uh, and google was very new but i knew you know as a librarian i knew all about google right so she asked for this map and i thought oh that sounds like something that might be online and so i googled it and i found it and i said oh okay so just do this you know google this and you should be able to and she goes i i don't see it and i thought okay I said, well, give me your email address. I'm going to email you the link then. She gave me, and, uh, you know, so she sends me your email. And then she goes, well, I couldn't open the link. Like, okay, none of this is my fault, but okay. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm going to print out the map, and I'm going to put it in campus mail and and send it to you via campus mail. And I I mean, I, I could not figure out, like I could see it right there plain this day online, right? But she wasn't. So the next day, she has her secretary call me. And say, you know, Dr. So-and-so uh, didn't get her map. She thought it would be on her desk this morning. And I, I said, okay, well, I'm not in charge of campus mail. Like, I, I know I'm not going to hand deliver it across campus. I told her I was putting it in campus mail. Like, once I put it in campus mail, like, it was no longer my problem. <laughs> like, I mean, but that we that's just one example of kind of this indignity Um you know, and the, you know, the article mentioned about faculty calling us at the last minute to teach, could you come teach my class? Because, you know, I, I'm not going to be there. And so, you know, you just tell them, you just talk about the library, you know, they don't really have a, uh, anything they want, just, just do your usual library thing, or, you know, I've, I've shown up at class, you know, with a lesson plan, assuming that, you know, uh, I had the entire class period. Oh no, no! I, you, I only want you to talk for ten minutes. I've got all these other people here to talk about their offices too. Like, okay, well, you could have told me when you asked me to come and talk. Like, I, they, they just. So
0: the, <laughs> the kind of problem you're describing here is actually coming around and biting faculty in the arse, like the same problem because, like, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what your job was. And because they didn't understand it, they didn't afford you any appreciation. Whereas what you should be doing is I don't know what person X does, but the library is working. So mm. that's a good thing. But they, they didn't appreciate because they didn't understand. You know, it's right. a common problem. Right. Same thing's happening to faculty now as uh, universities are increasingly run by business people. Yes. The business mm-hmm. people yes. don't understand what the academics do. And because they don't understand it, they don't appreciate it. They think that anybody can do it. Um, and so faculty are treated like dirt. Mm in return right. I mean, you know it's just you know it's, it's just this 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 very 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 silly kind of self-centered self-centered way of looking at things that that is um that is a real blight on our society at the moment
1: and and community libraries um are also community bathrooms right right they are community uh you know places to sleep um to maybe you know uh get out of the cold um, and no, so, you know, I, was with, I don't about... have a
2: problem with any of that. Like, people need to use the bathroom,
1: and we have. Oh, no, no, I'm just. I think we should have no, more places no, no. where people can use the bathroom. Yeah. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that librarians, you know, in, yeah. uh, are being called upon to now, because of understaffing and budget cuts, and because of some of this, you know, in, in communities, sort of a, a, a maybe a, a disregard or even a disdain for libraries. Um, they're getting, they're even more underfunded. Right. right? And so with, again, librarians are good people and they want to focus on books, right? They want to, you know, so maybe we'll do without one extra person or whatever. So libra- so one of the things I was reading is that, you know, librarians are administering narcan. They're cleaning the bathrooms. That
2: absolutely they're, happens.
1: Yes. Um, I- they're doing all of that kind of stuff too. So they're not just handling people who are mobbing them, who are criticizing them, who are, you know, putting them down, but they're also, you know, they're really community service workers in this whole other they're, they're becoming social workers yes in, in and yes ways.
2: and I can tell yeah. you that you know my local public library um there was uh maybe I don't know I want to say it was like 15 years ago or so um the the town decided we didn't need it and you know for about three weeks it was closed completely and then it reopened for maybe 15 hours a week it's back you mm-hmm. know it's back on track now, but there was this short period of time that, you know, and, and it was open for 15 hours a week and the people who, there was no janitor. There was, you know, nobody, um, there was just the people, you know, who, uh, the librarians, you know, there was like three librarians who worked there and, you know, they, they took out a bag of trash every day at the end of their shift and came in on weekends and mopped the floor. And, you know, the, yeah this ha- yeah if you want the library open you don't you need a whole staff that um goes beyond you know librarians and you know they all matter and they're all important
1: um so that it just i mean I guess you know that that's just it's you know again it's adding to an already stressful situation right. in a culture that's you know unfortunately not uh not uh necessarily library friendly right now. Um so I, uh what do you so uh you know Vermont uh in here in the US Vermont uh states uh universities oh. have just <laughs> proposed that they would close all of their I don't know if you knew this Mike but all of the state schools would close their libraries. Um it's cost too much money. Um, and gosh, everything's online. Everything's online. So I didn't know. I didn't know, Pam, if you have heard any more about any more about that. I, I haven't. I can tell you that, um, you know, it's, um, had, you know, quite a bit of, um,
2: traffic in the library literature. Um, there's, I I don't know any librarians who think it's a good idea. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Funny that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, I mean, what would, what would a campus be like with no library? I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to really even understand what that would. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I,
2: it's, I, it's not a university if it doesn't have a library. Um, I, <laughs> it's not a university.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. we're at the point now where a lot of our universities, even some of our most prestigious ones, are, ceasing, are in the process of ceasing to be universities and becoming something quite different something quite different and quite ugly you know when when you know when we're in a position where certain opinions are forbidden um and everybody has to be set you know safe from from, from encountering contrary ideas then, then the university ceases to be a university and becomes more of a seminary that's probably saying bad things about a seminar and seminary is probably better than that to be honest but it's a very i i, I see i'm interested in this whole i because i i think that this push to ban books is in the majority of cases deceitful posturing um, and I, I wanted to test that theory so one of my favourite books um, I, 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 you know, I, don't, I don't believe in God or anything like that but it's a book that I draw inspiration from is the Bible, I think there are some beautiful passages in the King's James, King James Bible um, and it's helped me in some dark periods in my life um, yet if you look at how that book has been used in the past that what has been used to justify um you would have to conclude that that's a dangerous book if there is such a thing as a dangerous Mm -hmm. book one of the most dangerous right um similarly um you could say the quran now i've read that book that's not something i draw inspiration from but a lot of good people do but also some bad people do as well and that's you know that's the justification for all kinds of terrorism so we would have to say that the quran by any objective standard is a is a dangerous book as well it's not the same thing as bad bad and dangerous aren't the same thing right so in your experience has anybody come in and tried to ban the bible
2: um or the quran it's happened yes
0: um really yeah
2: oh yeah um you know and some people even like if i i remember like somebody talking about 1984 and you know well there's these sex scenes in it and that's therefore you know mm-hmm. we should we shouldn't have this in the school library and somebody you know pulled out the bible and you know read a passage that was just as sexually explicit
0: um were they advocating for banning the bible well
2: that person was advocating for not banning anything but yes it it, it, i've even very recently i read um a case where um somebody had uh tried to ban it and but i think in that case it might have even also been just a an illustration like if you're going to ban this you have to ban the bible too but i i have actually i have i mean it's it's not up there in the top 10 but um yeah some sometimes the communist you know, manifesto um, you know people uh people have you know suggested that uh the the bible you know we shouldn't use taxpayer money because it's a religious text um people have said that and you know if that's the case then Right. We shouldn't have any any of the religious texts in the library. Right. That it has to be true across the board. Um, But yes, uh, the people have attempted to ban the Bible. Sometimes it's just kind of a uh, an illustration of, like I said, like if you're going to ban that then you know, you have to ban this. Um, Sometimes it's just um, uh, people being ridiculous. But other times, you know, people are they have they do question it. They question it. Um, and it, it certainly happened.
1: I've also seen arguments, um, you know, descriptions of arguments, um, where people say, well, if you have this, say, um, you know, this book is gay, then you need to have a book that, uh, that I choose. (laughs) Maybe that's Christian. Okay. This Christian view of, you know, um, I don't know, uh, of homosexuality, whatever, right? You know, if, right. If that's yes, what we're talking. At, yes, right? and so so you need to match, right? So you would have to to, to you know ever, for every book you buy on this side, you have to buy a book on this side. And again, to kind of get back to this sort of like building a collection, right? Like that's not that's not how I mean library. I mean it's library science, right? I mean this is it, it's not it's not library opinion. <laughs> right. And so you would be, you know, sort of looking at your community and what the community would want. Right. And I guess that, you know, I, I mean, I, maybe you could, uh, you could say, well, if the, if the, if this, uh, community is building enough, you know, um, uh, support for this, then maybe it does reflect the community that we would have more, um, you know more books on both sides of this issue. I guess perhaps you know then your your policy maybe should change, um, but I'm not sure that um, you know. The, again, you change your policy, right? right. You change your your uh, you don't uh, just storm in and say, okay, for every every dollar you spend over here, you have to spend right. And, over and here.
2: I, yeah, I mean the policy probably needs to be looked at. Um, you know also um i can't remember the name of the book there was a book that came out maybe about 3 or 4 years ago um that was it was an, it was an anti trans book um that was a bestseller um you know and and so you know this person was saying you know that, that um we're doing this damage we're doing damage to to kids by allowing them to transition and Um, it was like I said it was a bestseller and people would hear about it and they'd want to read it and they'd go to their library and say do you have this book and the the libraries were buying it and I think they were right to do that again back to Mike's point like I want to know what my enemies are saying right and if I can't go to the library and get that book either then I can't refute it right I need to know what their arguments are Um, but as far as a dollar for dollar you know (laughs) i don't know about right. that right but again if it yeah. if your community uh, and i remember somebody being on a at a on a zoom workshop where somebody said you know like somebody requested this book and you know our policy says that if it's a bestseller and a and a patron requests it then we have to buy it and they said yeah so you do <laughs> um and you know they said uh, they had other other some more advice beyond that but you know i can also tell you that um a lot of libraries didn't buy um, Fifty Shades of Grey. And that was a popular bestseller. And, you know, I, and I, they would they came up with all these like it's a, it was a bestseller that people were requesting and they weren't buying it, you know, and they and they, they would give these reasons like, oh, you know, it's not very well written. I'm like, yeah, we don't read all the books before we buy them. We've got plenty of crappy Books on the shelf—they weren't well written. We, we bought them anyway. <laughs> like it's just an excuse not to buy the book.
0: Right? <laughs> for me personally, I think that the justification for having a book or not having a book should, in large part, be: is it consequential? You know, is this book? If it's a bestseller, it has to be consequential, right? So, like, my—let me t- say two books that I extremely dislike: Robin d'angelo's *White Fragility*, because it allows for this Kafka trap in which, you know, if you say I'm innocent, you are all the more guilty. Um, but I want that book in every library. Sure. That book's incredibly consequential. I, I hate it. And a lot of
2: people, right, a
0: lot of I read people it. it. Right. Um, but, 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 and again, going back to the point, and if you want to stand up to that nonsense, then you have to read the book. Or at least understand the book from some other source, maybe from a podcast or whatever. Like, ours. and right? you
1: can read it in about twenty minutes. By the way, it's Half
0: a Quickly, <laughs> yeah. You can. You, you just have to skim it. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's utterly ridiculous. But, 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 yeah. But it, nevertheless, it's ridiculous. It's actually quite well written, to be fair. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say about D'Angelo is she makes things mm-hmm. nice and clear. It's None very of this is of it's it's Very <laughs> clearly
2: written. Yeah.
0: yeah um, so, so, ten points on. Being able to understand it, good writing, D'Angelo. That's about it. The, the, the quality of the arguments are awful, but 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 nevertheless, it's extremely consequential. So so me thinking that it's a bad book, is not. is no justification for me not having it in a library. Right. Same with Mein Camp. Right. most right? libraries have yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they should. You know, if we want, <laughs> um, I, 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 where have the grown ups gone? <laughs> like, like seriously, I, it used to be all of about. Five minutes ago, it used to be absolutely clear that if you want to avoid the the mistakes of history, then you have to know about them, and even the, you know you, you you have to know about you know why is it that fascism appealed to people, you know what is what what was the draw of fascism? If you want to oppose fascism, you have to understand that you have to read Mein Kampf. You know if you if you similarly with communism, if you want to bemoan the various and many horrors and there were many of the soviet union then, then you need to understand the soviet union by by reading the communist manifesto uh, and also the, the the literature from lenin that, that kind of justified what he was doing back then
1: you well gets get back to your, it gets back to your point about about dangerous ideas right that um yeah they are
0: dangerous that's why you have to read them right
1: right <laughs> so I, I wanted to you know you were you know because we keep saying oh it used to be it used to be um So I kind of wanted to uh, mention uh, obscenity laws. Now, this was in the United States. So um, uh, uh, there was a a Comstock. So Anthony Comstock, uh, the founder of the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice, uh, led a successful campaign to have the U.S. Congress pass the act of suppression of trade in and circulation of obscene literature and articles of immoral use um, so that was um, March of 1873 so the Comstock Act prohibited the possession and circulation of any obscene book pamphlet paper writing advertisement circular print picture drawing of other <laughs> representation um, figure or image on or of paper or other material of or any cast instrument or other art. I mean, it goes on and on. And this was used to prosecute people. Um, you know, the pamphlets were big at the time and they were, you know, um, you know, mailed out and, and, and everything. And so people were prosecuted and jailed for, um, you know, for printing, uh, them for, um, distributing them. So, um, uh, James uh James Joyce Ulysses um you know I mean later obviously Lady Chatterley's Lover big surprise there right um you know um I was going to mention that um, book. <laughs> you know I mean this went on um you know I mean here we have um uh Miller versus California in 1973 um you know uh whether the work as a whole lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Um, You know, and so uh, if taken on the whole, uh, does the material appeal to uh, prurient interest in sex as determined by the average person? I mean, talk about unfalsifiability, Right, right? Right. Applying contemporary community standards portrays sexual conduct as specifically defined by applicable state law, and lacks serious art, uh, literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Um, so, you know, I mean, subjective,
0: subjective, 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 yeah, subjective, yeah, subjective, and, and therefore, the, the tyranny of one person subjective is then mm-hmm. just put on everybody. And if you if you are naive enough to think that people will not abuse this, then you have no business making any comment on anything.
1: Yeah. So it's not, um, you know, I mean, I, I think that sometimes we're, we, you know, uh, we do both things, right? We say, oh, you know, the past, it's like, oh, they, you know, <laughs> like, oh, they just didn't know. They're so, you know, un- uneducated or or uh, unwoke or whatever in the past. And it's so great now that we're, you know, that, that we're in this new age. I think we do that. And then I think we also, you know, uh, forget that, um, there was, there has been so much progress, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, race and just, you know, the availability of, of things to, you know, of materials to read. And I mean, so much progress in so many areas. And, um, and, and I think maybe we're, we're in this time period now where we, we discount that, uh, maybe, more than more than we should and we don't we don't value how far we've we've come and 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 how fragile that is how truly fragile that progress might be in this i don't know confusing
2: time I will say, so in. I mean there's the description and the the de- definition of obscene that you're reading it's still being used it's still yes. being used today and that they'll um you know that's something I, I see a lot with the when I read the articles about the, the book banners is these parents that come and they say the book is obscene, um, and that, that they actually are able to apply those and say no it you know it taken as a whole right this book um, is not obscene and here there's I there's like three criteria that they will apply to it based on what you just read right now, um, and mm-hmm. that they're able to say it's not obscene.
0: As a formerly, formerly, having recovered, thank God, but as a formerly teenage boy, I can attest to the fact that the the most obscene stuff in a library Mm. is the biology section. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I know that as a formerly teenage boy, that was the first place we went to when we got into the library. (laughs)
1: Um, So early on, uh, right before we started, I had uh, read a little something that i thought i would really like to um revisit so i can't take credit for this um uh neil uh, i'm sorry eric Veith, whom we had on a previous podcast um the lawyer you know uh, i remember eric, he? yeah. hello yeah. eric if you're listening yeah. hello eric um he we met had, heterodox right yeah yes we met him at heterodox and um he uh he has a, you know, a blog and he, he had actually, uh, sent this out. Um, so this is, um, uh, Neil Postman. And I think the name of the book is amusing ourselves to death public discourse in the age of show business. And it was from 1985, but, um, but this is what, uh, so this was, this is an excerpt attributed to Neil Postman. Um, Uh, What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who would want to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us, Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance.
2: We do have too much information. <laughs> I mean, that was like during the pandemic. They, um, I think it was the World Health Organization. I could be wrong, but somebody coined the term infodemic. Um, you know, because there was there was so much information coming at once. Much of it was false. Um, most people didn't know how to sort the good from the bad um so uh that's real i mean an over an overload of information is is a real problem it's a it's a concern um and you know my answer to that is read more i mean if you read a lot it it becomes easier to recognize the bunk you know um and but it's also like i i've been it's sometimes we we're talking about opinions right some opinions are more informed than others sometimes it's even hard to tell something um news like newspapers when they were in the paper right they were labeled opinion op-ed what they're not online necessarily labeled so again it's really important to um recognize like what are what what do i need to look for to determine whether this piece that i'm reading is an opinion piece or a news piece um and uh i mean with anybody now being able to publish right online like everybody's a publisher um you, it's really important uh there there is there is a lot of information um people do have the right to express their Uh, opinions it's all protected speech most well most of it is Uh, there is some you know amount of speech that is not but um that it is incumbent upon us to learn how to separate the wheat from the chaff
1: and librarians are (laughs) as you know as as source um you know we pam and i've actually done some work on source literacy but that's what librarians do right is you know this is one of the things that they um that they are experts on is source literacy and i'll Um, I'll just
2: say to like one of the one of the indignities identified in one of the articles about the librarians is not okay is that you know the faculty not understanding that we are experts and i actually did have a faculty member one time at a meeting where we're talking about information literacy, say, you know, with librarians there in the, in the zoom room, Oh, I don't think librarians have anything to do with information literacy. Okay. Well, we wouldn't even be having this conversation on this campus if it hadn't been for us advocating for it for years. I was just so stunned. I didn't, I was stunned into silence.
1: <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I, I, I really, 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 really have, I, I take issue with, with people who do that, and it's an awful lot of people. Um, you know, the, the, the book that, that convinced me of that problem was Edmund Burke's Reflections on the Revolution in France, right? when he talks about you know England being a, a nation of shopkeepers and, and, and um, uh, this idea that, you know, we don't necessarily, just because we don't understand, you know, society s- slowly evolves over time, and it has certain institutions with it. And no one human being can understand any of those institutions, not even the people who work within them. So, you know, not even a librarian understands every single library in the United States, right? That would be an impossible (laughs) ask. Um, But just because you don't understand an institution, if it's been there for a long time in your country, like libraries have not just in America, but across the world, then it's there because it has value. And just because you can't understand, you don't know the value of it. That's very can't understand you don't know. It's reasonable, because that's most people on most topics. Right. That's me on most topics. Sure. That's you on most right. topics. But just because you can't understand the library doesn't mean that you therefore get to say that it's useless or it has no value. And history has shown us, you know, with the French Revolution as the classic example, right? They these people who had no experience in statecraft and in the various institutions, they pointed out some of the things that were wrong about the monarchy in France, and they thought, ha ah, we could just do away with the whole thing, and the next thing that we bring along will be better. No. You know, you cut out these institutions because you don't understand them at your absolute peril. It's an incredibly arrogant thing to do. And I, and anybody at a university level, anybody who's teaching at a university level doesn't understand that insight. Frankly, ought to feel ashamed of themselves. It's a very, very, very deeply, deeply silly thing to say. I
1: go off on those from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you know, um, with regard to those uh, those quotes, you know, I I also think about the overload of information and how cavalier then people are about. Uh, they don't vet people many people many people don't value knowledge anymore because it's apparently available to them. Any moment, right? I can always just, if I need this, which I probably won't, I'll just look it up, and and that's the that's the Huxley uh, fear, right? Is that um, you know that that there'll be so much that you know people just won't won't value it, and I and I definitely see that. I definitely see that that people don't value knowledge um, because. They've equated knowledge with the availability of information, and those are not the same thing. And as you say, you know, one answer is to just read more, right? So at a time when people are overwhelmed, you know, if you you know by reading more, uh, you can actually, like you said, figure, you know, sort of. Um, it becomes easier building. I mean,
2: off. and I, I'll also say, you know, everyone, including me, is vulnerable to bad information, um, you know. Um, But the more you read, the more you know, the less vulnerable you become.
0: Can I can I tell you the bad information that I was vulnerable to, like throughout (laughs) most of my 20s? I thought that reading fiction was a waste of time. That's Not, not that I thought it wasn't fun. Not that I didn't like it. But I thought, right, I have to get all of this kind of wisdom, I have to get all of this mm-hmm. knowledge. Reading fiction might be fun, but it's frivolous. Mm-hmm. Right? It's there's 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 nothing to it, I'm gonna get nothing out of it. Uh, and then I discovered discovered Dostoevsky and realized how how profoundly <laughs> misguided I was
1: when I um when I worked as a you know in at the circulation desk, um, and I think this was this was life changing for me. Um uh, a, a little girl and her dad came in and they had to read, she had to read something for, uh, you know, one of those books that we all have to read. Let's say the red badge of right, courage. Yeah, I don't, uh-huh. I don't know for sure, but you know, one of those required books at, at whatever age, you know, so she was maybe, I don't even know, like seventh grade or something. And she had this, you know, book that she had to read. And so she came to the library with her dad. To get this book, and of course we were at, we didn't have any more copies because everyone had to read that book, right? And so there was a um, at the time an independent bookstore. I, I worked in Dayton, Ohio, and there was an independent bookstore. There was quite you know quite well known Books and Company, and um, it was just this you know I we'd never I'd never seen anything like it before. It was huge. Now that's all that there is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but this independent bookstore with you know they would have authors all the time, and it was you know. And, um, so, you know, we suggested it's just down the street and, you know, you can, I mean, you can buy a paperback of these, of these books, you know, fairly cheaply and, um, stuff. And so we, you know, we're really sorry, you know, but we don't have any, and there weren't going to be any back. We can tell when they're going to come back in, right. You can tell that the (laughs) circulation does. And so she turned around to her dad and, you know, you know, like, can we, you know, can we go, you know, to the bookstore? And he said, I am not buying you a book (laughs) as if a book was, I mean, it, it just, it, it, it can bring me to tears now after, you know, after 30 years that listening to him, despair, the idea of purchasing someone purchasing a book was offensive to him. It almost, he almost talked about it like it was dirty, you know? Um, and of course, you know, I mean, I'm in a library, I mean, I always felt like when I was worked in the library, like I've never worked around smarter people. Um, you know, the diversity of interests among library, among people who work in a library, um, even bookshelvers, I mean, everyone, you know, they, they, they revere books, you know, and, um, and at the time I was getting a master's in, in English Lit and uh, still until I heard that man say that to his child, I don't think I really understood um, how valuable books had been in my own life and how important they were until I heard that sort of disparagement. and and the sadness had you know i've i've always remembered how sad that we all all felt and and the idea that more children would be denied more books to take home from their school or to 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 visit at the library to just look at or um you know or for, or to 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 just to turn the pages that you know um of a book that means something to them uh, that, that touches them in some way that, um, you know, uh, or that, or that, like Mike said, is, 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 is frivolous, you know, it, it doesn't, it, but there's the, just the, the value of that experience. I, I think, um, uh, I, I just think is, is developmentally, uh, I don't, I, I mean, important doesn't even touch it, t- touch, uh, I had that
0: abuse. I had that abuse as a kid. Quite similar, um, because I was interested in books, and because I was consequently interested in discussing subjects that other people would regard as deep. Um, you know, in the UK, like, oh, doing this; he's gay. You know, that was, I was, I was accused of being really, <laughs> really. But not books. by
1: your, but not by your parents. No, not by know. my
0: parents. No, right. <laughs> and you weren't
1: denied access to books, or no, or no, no, no. That, but but that kind yeah. of, the,
0: you know, the kind of the negative connotations of reading and learning were definitely there in the UK as a kid, you know, you were accused of being, you know, as if there was anything wrong with being gay, (laughs) you know, but there was, you know, the person saying it was saying more about themselves than they were about me, but I didn't realize that at the time. It was, it was, it was a nasty thing to go through. I hope that's gone. I hope people don't do that anymore.
1: I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure people value knowledge like, like they should. So, um, Um, I don't know if we've, have we, uh, have we reached the end of our... I
0: I think what we should do is finish on a really important point that Pam made, and she said people need to read more, and I agree. Um, but there are so many books out there, and we can't read all of them, so, um, can we suggest one book that we think people should read each... Um, that would help them help them give them the kind of knowledge that would help them sift through the noise today i'm going to say i'm going to go dostoevsky notes from underground
2: okay margaret
0: atwood
1: margaret atwood the handmaid's tale okay uh, good okay um lee smith fair and tender ladies
0: i've not read that one
1: i don't um And also, um, Virginia Woolf, A Room of One's Own.
0: I'm gonna throw another one in, another Dostoevsky, because I'm a (laughs) Dostoevsky fanboy. Um, The Brothers Karamazov is also, absolutely have to read it. Not just because it's a great story, it's a really, really good story, but just the wisdom in that book, particularly from the, um, the fictional Elder Zosima, who's this elderly monk who's just incredibly wise. Um, and it's got different kinds of intellects in there. Like the, there's Ivan, who's one of the three brothers, who's also wise in a completely different way. Um, uh, and also dangerous. Um, but yeah, fantastic book. Um, and read really it not just as a story, but, but as a work of philosophy as well.
1: The fire next time. <laughs> awesome book. You can't go wrong with anything Oscar Wilde.
0: No, you can't. Well, how many editions? Yeah.
1: I'll also say Elizabeth and I. One of the
2: things we bonded over is our love for the book "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret" by Judy Blume. It is, uh, it is every you know, young young every every girl, every teenage girl read it. And I, I recently had my husband listen to it with me on audio. He thought it was a great book. Uh, I, I would say everyone should read it. Everyone should read it. Yes, it's, it's yes insight into all right well let's
0: <laughs> thank you for the homework
2: yeah and elizabeth and i are so excited about the movie coming out soon yeah always read the book though first oh if there's always a movie the make sure you read the book that was a rule in our house yes. when, when when uh when uh, my my child was younger like oh if you want to go see the movie you got to read the book yeah
0: <laughs> although I, I i saw the lord of the rings um movies after i read the book and i very much enjoyed them so I like the new Dune movie. Dune was a book that I was absolutely fell in love with as a kid. And I thought that the new version of Dune was really good as well. Good. All All right.
1: right. Thank you very much. Thank you,
0: Pam. Thank you, Pam.